lead us. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather with our brothers. Thank you for your word, the light that is that we need in this world, that we need for our feet every day. We need this time, Father. Open our ears, open our minds. Um, help us set aside everything that would distract and give us ears to hear from you. Bless Alec as he comes to deliver your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Alec Zaccaroli. <coughs> Thanks. I've got a little bit of a, uh, a little bit. I got a heck of a cold or something going on, so I hopefully I won't sound too. Uh, I sound like Joan Rivers or something. I always feel like when I get a cold. I don't know why I get that, but um, bless you, Mace. Thank you. That's a good thing, especially now. I mean, um, so everyone had a good Thanksgiving, I hope, um, and we'll, we'll plow right in here. We're in Ephesians um, 3, uh, 14 to 21, and this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Um, so if you want to turn there while, uh, and let me open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this day that we may gather here today, Lord, to study you, to hear from you, about the promises that you give us and the way that you uh, <coughs> dwell in us, Lord. We ask that you send your spirit to be among us. We ask that you bless us this day in ev each and every word that's spoken, whether it's from here or at the tables, Lord. Um, and Lord, we bless, ask, ask you to bless us as we uh, go from here out into the day uh, that your spirit would go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's see. Um, let, me, what I, let me do this first. <clears throat> I just want to read this prayer. Um, this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, as I said before. It has some, some um, beautiful parallels to another prayer that you, you all are probably familiar with in John 17. Um, uh, Jesus' prayer for his disciples and for all of us. And we're going to kind of look a little bit, bit of both of those today. Let me just start by reading this through once. Um, so we can get it sort of in its full, full context, full glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you may, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's beautiful. He begins with this, uh, for this reason, which of course asks us, uh, raises the question, what's he referring to in this transition? Obviously, uh, it, it was something that came before, so... Um, we're going to backtrack a second here and, and turn with me to, um, to Ephesians 3.10. I think this is what really comes to the heart of what Paul's referring to in, when he says for this reason, uh, and that is so that the manifold wisdom of God might be known, made known through the church, the, the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's the... Here's the important part. Well, it's all important, but here's the beautiful part. In whom 
We have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Paul, um, I think in this, in this prayer, is setting up how remarkable that statement is. And, and he's going to allow us to reflect on that, I think. He says here um, that we will bow his knees before the Father. And I, I've put a, a reference to Philippians 2.9 there. Um, I'm, I'm actually not going to go through each of these references. I just put them there because I don't, for, for sake of time, I don't want to, you know, there's a lot there. But, but I've provided you the, the references there. Some of these are, are relevant here, and, um, and you can read those. Uh, but he uses this, this notion of um, uh, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Um, that, that word family is, is patria in Greek. And it's your, your version probably says family. Some, some may say nation. Um, it can be either. I read this and I, I, I wondered. Uh, he talks about families in heaven and on earth. And immediately I said, well, now are angels? Do they have families? How does that work? Again, I'm not going to go down that road, but, but the, the point being really that everything derives its name from the Father. Father, of course, patria, is, is, deriv- is a derivative of pater, um, and all things derive their name. He is, he is that which calls all things into being and into existence. And again, this is the Father with whom, through Christ, we have this bold and confident access. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the spirit in the inner man. This idea of riches in Christ, again, if 118 is, talks about that in 3.8, um, strengthened, we know, Philippians 4.13, that we have the power to do all things through him. In Colossians 1.11, we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for attaining all steadfastness and patience. Um, this is an amazing strength, obviously. And these riches are amazing that Christ gives us in the inner man. This is so anthropos. Talking there about the being inside, deep within inside us. This isn't the old self that Paul talks about in Romans 6 and elsewhere. Okay, that's, that's the old self is that which is not receptive to the spirit. This is the spirit. This is... What is receptive? The, the inner man that God calls out in us. In, in Romans 7.22, he says, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. So, so, so we're getting this idea of God within us here. And, and that's what he's going to build on. And, um, and it builds up to, to verse 17 here. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And it goes on. To say, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length uh, and height and depth. And I want to, but I want to stop here at 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And I want to, I want to dwell on that a little bit this morning. Um, the word there in Greek is katoiko. It means to inhabit, to dwell within. But, but, but one interpretation, and, and the, the proper interpretation here, I think, is to be possessed by God. You, you live in your house. You probably have a mortgage that says it's possessed by the bank, but theoretically, you possess it. You, you own it, okay? Now, that has how it is. God possesses us. He should possess us, and, and we need to own that possession. Um, so you know, turn with me for a second um, because I want to 
I want to explore this a little, a little more deeply. To John 14, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and, he will, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Again, this notion that Jesus and God, they dwell with us. But, but, but John 14, uh, 8. Turn there for a second. Um, so we can try and get a sense of what this, this means. This is um, Philip speaking to God. and said, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Okay, here is Philip. He wants to be shown the Father. And Jesus' response to him, and, and, and you all probably know this by heart. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? <clears throat> Excuse me. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. This idea of the Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. The fancy theologians come up with something for everything. This, this they call mutual indwelling. Okay? I don't know how to describe that. I, I Try drawing it. I mean, it, it, it's a concept. Escher probably could draw it. I, I, I don't know how I would do it. But, but it, it captures this deep, deep intimacy, the closest type. Um, and I was struggling to kind of come up with a way to kind of capture this, and then uh, um, someone I know once compared it to, to marriage. So let's, 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 let's pull on that thread for a few minutes here this morning. Let's see, who's been married the longest? 40 years, anybody? Ah, Bob, okay. Anybody 35 or more? Okay. All right, well, we got another 40? Oh, oh, okay. Joe. All right, well, I'm going to start with Bob, and if I don't like what he, his answer, I'm going to go to you, Joe. <laughs> okay. You guys. I'll ask you all. Are your wives with you today? I'm going to take that as a yes. After 40-plus years of marriage... I'm pretty sure you know her pretty well, and she knows you more than she probably wants to, <laughs> if you're like me, right? You sort of understand each other. I, I was trying to wrestle with this thing. Well, how does this work in my own marriage? Amy and I have been married for 18 years. She goes, for instance, she'll go to Costco, and she'll go without even thinking or asking. She'll, she'll always pick up this big thing of fancy mixed nuts. Do you guys get, I love those. They're so good. She doesn't ask. She just knows I want them. I'm the only one in the family who eats them. And I'm going, well, is that, is that kind of, does that mutual indwelling? Not really. That's familiarity. Okay. She knows what I like. So I'm thinking, okay, how else is this captured? So Amy's had five pregnancies. We've had four children. All five of those, not once has she had morning sickness. Praise God. Isn't that amazing? I was sick the entire time. <laughs> I kid you not, ask her, she will back me up on this. Is that mutual indwelling? Um, no, I think they call that sympathy symptoms or something like that. I don't know. 
It's like, <laughs> it's probably true. Um, but I mentioned five pregnancies, four children. And um, if you do the math, one of them is not, was not with us. We were, uh, Amy was about four and a half months pregnant, started having complications. And we went, um, you know, long story short, we, we started seeing the doctor and they said, the baby doesn't appear to be growing, come back next week, let's take another look. And we went in together, um, sat down, and she, the, the nurse pulled out the sonogram, started looking around, um, and she looked up after a while and just looked at my wife in the face and just said, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know which, which pain it, it was I felt. I felt, whole, I felt this horrible pain of being a, a dad uh, who had lost, you know, I mean, this just child was gone. Um, but there was something different because I also felt the pain of a mom who loses a child. I can't really explain that, but if you've been through there, you know what I mean. Um, and it's, it's this anguish. Jeremiah talks about, you know, you know um, crying out, Rachel crying for her children. Um, Jeremiah talks about, the, I mean, he uses this, this metaphor for Israel, and, and he uses the mother-child metaphor, and it's so deep. It's this different kind of pain, and, and it's like a pain I hadn't felt before. Uh, a year later or so, um, Amy was pregnant again. Um, and, you know, we've always been lucky in that regard. Um, and so she, she got pregnant again, and she started having complications again. Um, and she was having bleeding and some other issues. And one night, uh, you know, she, we'd be going to the doctor, um, but one night, it was about, about the same time, far along, five or six, five months or so, um, she woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, I heard her get out of bed and walk into the bathroom, and then I heard this cry out. Not a, not a panicking cry, not an alarming cry, a mournful cry. Um, I jumped out of bed. I got up so quickly, I actually had to go back and lie down for a second. That's how pathetic <laughs> I am, because <laughs> I was dizzy. Uh, but I went in, and through her tear-stained eyes, she said, I, I think we've lost this one. We called the doctor at 5 in the morning or so, and finally got through to him, and he said, um, oops, sorry. He said, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. Go back to bed, come in, see us at 10. I lied in bed, and my wife, I listened to my wife, um, silently crying, and I prayed the uh, Lord's Prayer, probably about 10,000 times, and I prayed, God, let me have strength to get through this. Let me have strength, because again, I felt a different kind of pain. And I said, I know my wife is going to need me to be strong in this. What I didn't pray for, and this is a whole different, you know, talk, was that God would deliver. Um, long story short, when we went into the doctor the next day, we went in with long faces expecting him to, the same, same 
result. And the doctor looked around and uh, he said, no, no, no. See this, this little heart that's beating? Your baby's fine. And there was a joy. And that joy was the same as the pain. And we celebrated it and we had it together. I don't know another way to sort of explain for you anything remotely close to what Jesus and God have in that indwelling relationship. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'll ask Bob. He's the resident expert. Is, is, it, is it true that our marital relationships are kind of like the Trinitarian relationship? I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I just give you that to give you some sense of, of what it is to mutually indwell, what, what this concept is, and, and why am I spending so much time on this? Um, I want to, because what's, what, what Jesus is saying here is, is really amazing. Um, if you turn to John 17, 23, or 17, 20, there's Jesus is praying here, and he's prayed for the disciples, and now he's praying for the rest of us. And he says, I do not ask on behalf of these, the disciples alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Think about that for a second. The same indwelling Jesus is calling for here that he has with the Father. He has with every one of you and me. I, I hadn't really thought about that quite so deeply because part of me honestly says that doesn't seem right. I'm this nasty, gross sinner here on earth and, and, and how can Christ dwell in me like that? Why would he make resonance in me? And he says, exactly. <laughs> exactly my point. Um, and why? So that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. In Job, um, Job 11, this is, this is Ophar's rebuke to Job, and, and, and he says to Job, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens. Can you, what can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? You know, he's saying to Job, how can you comprehend God? And Paul says, were he there, I think he would be saying, yeah, so far. As a matter of fact, I can. This love, God, Jesus dwelling in us, this is the love that surpasses, but it surpasses knowledge. Paul knows it, you know it, but because Christ dwells in us, not because of our intellects, not because of, of, of how carefully we study the Bible. I mean, that's very important to having a relationship with Christ. Don't get me wrong. 
okay? But you're not going to go to Dallas Theological Seminary and, 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 and know the depths of God. You're going to know him by accepting him in your heart and letting him lead you, letting the Spirit lead you. And, and, and praise God, we have this. This is, this, is, this is something to be joyful about. Um, and so now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power of the work that works within us. We can flip back one more time. I'm just about finished here. Uh, to John 14, 12, which says, um, well, let me just say what it says. Rather than, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is the power working in us. Now, I mean, I'm not suggesting that you can go out there and say, hey, Jesus like a new Mercedes, please, you know, or like an F-150 Raptor. You seen those? Those are really cool. Uh, <laughs> I love those. You know, I want a new motorcycle. I want to I improve my handicap. I want to, you know, I've got about a three and a half inch vertical leap. I'd, I'd like to improve that, God. No. No, God, God's not our ATM. Jesus is not our ATM. Um, if, 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 if you believe that, if, if you are filthy rich and you believe Jesus has blessed you with money, and he has. I know a few thousand orphans in Africa that I'd like to talk to you about because he's got a purpose for your money. Um, but that's a different story. No, the point here is that if he's dwelling within us, these aren't the things that are important to us. If he's dwelling within us, we have all the power to do what is important to God, and we have no, kind of have no excuses. And that's not something to be, uh, that, that's something just to be joyful about. Pure joy. I mean, I hope we leave here today with absolute abundant joy in our hearts, knowing the power of Christ is alive in us. And with that, all things are possible. We could look at this election, we could look at the world, we could look at the Middle East, we can look at all of the de- depravity and the despair, and we can say, yes, but we've, we can overcome. And that's remarkable. So let me let Paul finish us this morning in prayer. Father God, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's some discussion questions for you all this morning. Um, What does it mean to have Jesus dwell in you? What does that look like and how does it affect how you act? And can we limit the power that works within us? If not, why, if so, in what ways do we limit it and what can we do to change that?
How can we own the power within us for Christ? Thank you all very much for putting me in my cold this morning. Um, and I apologize that I've gone a little longer than I should have. But uh, thank you. It's been a blessing. <laughs>